Hello, Michelle Laurie here, and as promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane, and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio, or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so you know we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian True Crime Live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is a true crime podcast, as the title suggests. So please consider this your warning, that it's not suitable for children. And it probably will contain content that may be triggering to some people. Also, it's an Australian true crime podcast, so Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners should be aware it may contain the voices of deceased people. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. God, you know, the analogies of, you know, leaving your kids alone in the park is just such a such a simple one. You wouldn't damn well do it, would you? But you're leaving your kids in your bedrooms with technology that's giving them global connectivity, 
ability to activate cameras and talk to people all over the world. And let me tell you for a fact, there's about 5% of the world's population have a sexual preference towards children. We've got the stats to prove that. That's big numbers. As promised, we're back with John Rouse, one of the founding members of Task Force Argos, the world-leading specialist unit dedicated to investigating online child exploitation and sexual abuse of children based in Brisbane. He's joined by Akeem Dev, the filmmaker and journalist behind the excellent documentary about the work of Task Force Argos, The Children in the Pictures, which you can watch on SBS On Demand. In this episode of Australian True Crime, they're answering your questions, and we begin with a question from Esther. Hi, my name is Esther, and my question was, with the rise in AI technology, has AI been used to recreate child exploitation slash abuse material to trap or catch online predators? So I'm now a professor at Monash University at the Artificial Intelligence Labs. This is um, very high on our radar at the moment. And in fact, I'm in communication with Adele. I had a conversation with her yesterday. I'm working with Camera Forensics. I'm working with a whole range of tech providers at the moment because right now the child sex offenders are training stable diffusion on child sex abuse material right, to produce new content. Stable diffusion is a form of technology. It's a machine learning technology that can produce new content generative AI. So you train the uh, the technology on images and it will learn and produce content and it, uh, using prompts and commands, a little bit like ChatGPT. But Adobe Firefly is a new technology that Adobe have put out where you can create photorealistic images of pretty much anything. It's just the evolution of very, very old technology when people wanted to um, basically, you know, get their uh, web pages further up in rankings you develop certain tags you know inputted verbal prompts that was the first kind of form of artificial intelligence that would be able to say okay i you know I'm, i run a cleaning company i specialize in pet cleaning so pet cleaning is you know a part of a part of my verbal description which then turns it into the algorithm for the, for the search engine gets you elevated so now artificial intelligence is at the stage where the verbal prompts are incredibly accurate. So if, if, if I was creating CSAM, I can even give it the specific look of the film quality that I want it to look like, the lenses that I choose and, and to look for. I think the frightening thing, the stuff that I've seen that just scared the bejesus out of me is people using their object of desire which might be a local kid to you know basically create these fantasy images and i think you know john will concur with me the the line between fantasy and reality for a child abuser is 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 a very very thin one okay because that's the question i i have to ask and god forgive me buddha forgive me it's the most disgraceful question but i know people other people will be thinking it it's like that question of you know, when, when someone buys a child sex doll and there's part of you that thinks, well, is that better if he's using that? Is that stopping him hurting a real child? So is AI, child sex abuse material, preventing someone from creating real child sex abuse material? 
So let, let's just address the sex, the child sex dolls issue for a start, which we had to force very rapidly to get legislation in place. If you listen to the Dr. Michael Burks of the world or the Joe Sullivan's of the world, leading criminal psychologists in this area, they will tell you that taking your, and I'm just going to speak just as graphically as I possibly can here. No, I think we absolutely have to, yeah. All right, so we have child sex offenders that masturbate to content, all right? Just just like just about everybody masturbates to pornography, child sex offenders masturbate to child sexual abuse material. You take that from your screen, from your phone or your computer monitor into the manifestation, the real-world manifestation of a what looks to be a child, the leading criminal psychologists that I've worked with will all say that is one step closer to taking a real child and sexually abusing them, okay? And that's logical, is it not? Uh, well, that's what I was asking. I wasn't sure if it satiated a desire or if it increased a desire and moved you closer to wanting to move out of fantasy and into reality. Look, I mean, from you know my, my perspective, you, you've got to look at offending as a spectrum. There will be some offenders that, yeah, that's all they'll, that's as far as they'll go. They'll, some offenders won't even look at material. They'll just keep it, they'll just have fantasies in their own head and they'll go, that's my, my line. I won't cross that. It seems like the further you cross or the more lines that you cross, your inhibitions kind of lessen and weaken. For some, it might be enough to satiate it, but for the ones that it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Then you know, yeah, I, 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 I think, I think it's a, it's an argument that, yeah, it, it's completely flawed, and I think we'll end up doing more damage than mitigation. Yeah, I suppose it, it, it also sort of runs along the lines of that idea that people who, who are caught with child sex abuse material on their computers will say, I just was curious. I just went one time onto tour, onto the dark web. I just was curious and then I saw it once and then I kind of ended up just sit down a rabbit hole and I just Look, I've I've heard every I know, yeah. <laughs> every mitigation against this, you know, I was abused as a child, that's why I did it. Really, if you're abused as a child, is that not the last thing that you would want to perpetuate on another child? I've heard this bullshit for my entire career. There's no slippery slope here as far as I'm concerned. And I, the film Sextortion has got a, an alleged expert speaking on it about this slippery slope from adult pornography down to child sexual abuse material. I call absolute bullshit on that. Mm. Uh, but this, these are just my opinions, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a doctor or a, or a psychologist in any way, shape or form. As far as I'm concerned, mo most people use pornography, right? Um but it doesn't, okay, so has it led you to have sexual fantasies about children? It absolutely hasn't, but I know that a lot of people are in getting increasingly disturbed by the proliferation of, you know, me and my stepsister, these new levels of porn on mainstream porn, like this sort of, yeah. it feels like this sneaking in of kind of. I mean, it, you know, there's there's a, you know, a great intellectual in the 60s, Gore Vidal, who predicted it. And he said that it was it was just in the golden age of um, sexual freedoms and the sexual revolution was happening. And he wrote this essay about the life cycle of porn. And, you know, he was like, porn will eat itself. Yeah, right. 
he'll never be able to keep up with the demand for new content and something new and something different. And, and it's really, really tragic. And it is actually something that I'm, I'm, I'm working on as a, as another documentary project, looking at neuroplasticity and the effects of porn on developing minds. There are these communities out there on Reddit talking about their struggles with porn, trying to quit porn. And it's not just teenage boys, it's teenage girls as well. And the way that they write about their struggles is absolutely heartbreaking. You know, some of them can't last a day without going back on. It is it is like a form of addiction for them. And yeah, I, I just don't think there's been anywhere near the amount of resources that we need to to develop and devote to it. I think the big game changer that's happening, especially with stuff around porn, is that there's a lot of kids' idols or people around the kids' demographics that are coming out and speaking against it. Yeah. Like that Billie Eilish singer has just said some incredible heartfelt stuff about her experiences with porn and how it, you know, really, really dented her as an individual. And there is, without a shadow of doubt in my mind, an absolute link between things that are popular on child abuse boards that are starting to have more popularity on conventional porn sites. Mm. I mean, another another big red flag warning sign to me in, in, in the porn world is um, the amount of blackmail theme porn. I mean, where did that come, where did that come from if not sextortion? Absolutely, and yeah. the revenge porn. Yeah, I mean, you know, like that whole like barely legal shit. I mean, that's been around yeah. for donkey's years. So I think, you know, porn companies skirt around the edges. They fly a little too close to the sun in in my eyes. But you hear it from the horse's mouth when you, when you listen to the abusers discuss it mm. and they talk about how they got into it. And I know like a lot of psychologists don't like to compare it to um, forms of addiction. I don't think it's addiction in terms of, oh my God, I'm totally addicted to the content of watching children being abused. It's even creepier than that for some individuals. I'm not saying all child abusers, but they get addicted to the method of delivery. The fact that they can jump on a board, talk about this stuff, get incredible amounts of material. You know, it's all that thing of like, oh, you know, uh, I just looked at three or four images and all of a sudden I'm hooked. Yeah. I mean, these people have got gazillions of images, millions. Well, you hear it all the time. John, I mean, that's always the shocking thing to us when we read stories about people like you you and your work and it'll be like, oh, they had found this hard drive with 40,000 images of child sex abuse and you'd go, how could anyone even look at that many pictures of anything? Look, that probably just speaks to what Deb was saying about porn eating itself. Once they've masturbated to an image, it's lost its appeal. They need more content. So their, their collections grow over, a, over an extended period of time. That's really not surprising. A lot of them are collectors. They're looking for missing images from series. They get quite fixated with the children. On the porn discussion there, though, look, I, what consenting adults do is just not even on my radar. Yeah, of course. My bigger concern about porn is what kids are learning from porn and their, un, their unfettered access to porn the normalisation of violent rape of women as being normalised for kids. Yeah. 
this is another issue that we have with regulation where, you know, verification of age needs to be sorted out pretty rapidly. Uh, and they still haven't found a solution to that. I know, you know, Julie Emin and eSafety are looking at a range of people are looking at how we verify your age so that you can access these sites. But this has been for many years been causing problems. In Deb's era, in my era, it was, you know, Playboy or Penthouse was on the shelf of the newsagent store, right? Yeah, I mean, we've all seen porn at an in- oh, I was going to say at an inappropriate age, but but it wasn't live, violent sex like it is now. Yeah, I completely agree. Like the strangulation and the obscene things that they yeah. do in, in these films. <laughs> I think the content itself, yes, it is disturbing, but the method of delivery the ease of delivery of how we get it. I mean, you know, to 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 go and look at hardcore porn in the eighties or whatever, it was it was a mission. You know, yes. it usually took about eight or nine of you, and there was planning involved. And you know, it was like it was like a like planning a bank robbery or something <laughs> to get your hands on it. Nowadays, it's like the method of delivery, and that method of delivery we all know is addictive. The same fundamentals of doom scrolling is applied to kids using porn. We'll be back after the break with more of your questions for John Rouse and Akeem Dev. But before we move on, I must remember to ask you for a favour. Please take the time to leave us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to Australian true crime. We're a small independent production company and we really appreciate every bit of positivity you can send our way. It definitely helps us to keep growing and to keep producing the podcast. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. We're back with your questions about cyber safety. And next up is our lovely friend, Jessica Rowe, who's a media superstar, of course, but also a mother of two daughters. And like many of us, she's still struggling with this seemingly rudimentary question. Oh, there's so much I want to ask you. But I suppose first and foremost, what is the best way to talk to our kids about online safety? I always think there's almost this moral panic sometimes as parents that we have and we don't know where to start. So what's a good starting point? You know what it's like. Anything coming from your mum is lame. I mean, my son has just developed the hardest rolling eyes I've I've seen in a very long time uh, whenever I open my mouth about anything, let alone how's your online safety going? Are you being care? Are you, you know, things like that where the, he's really entering that period of time where he knows everything. I know, Dev, you have a beautiful grown daughter. Do you have one daughter? I've got a 22-year-old and I've got an 8-year-old. The 22-year-old's an angel and she was really receptive to the message and I sat down and I had those talks with her. But that's just her. The little one's an arsehole, man. (laughs) And I'm really worried about what I'm going to do because she's naturally inclined. She's naughty. I mean, I've spoken to a fair few child psychologists around this and, um, uh, you know, one of the common accepted practices is demystification. That's it. Not creating some sort of identity and not kind of eking a child's curiosity. Oh, this is bad. This is wrong. You know, because if it's anything like my kid, you tell them it's wrong and they're all into it. (laughs) We're actually going to initiate a conversation with the Rugby League Players Association. That's so fantastic. But what I want to do is I want to talk to them about sending dick pics. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Like, let's talk to them first Yeah, and clean up your house and then see the damage that it can cause. And these guys are the perfect people to go to schools and say, hey, man, I thought it was kind of okay until I realized what could happen. I mean, like in the NBA, in like, you know, the NBA or the NFL in America, they've got to go through courses. On, on what to do. So why aren't we, why are we just saving that for elite athletes in there who are 18, 19? We need to be talking to, like this to all of our kids. John, how, I don't know how old your your kids were when you really started to talk to them about this, this stuff or where technology was at. Look, um, my daughter was eight when MSN was a thing, right? When MSN Messenger came on. And I was two years into Argos, doing online investigations, so you're not going to get a more protective parent than me at that point in time. I did two things at that stage. Number one, I put spyware on a computer. Okay. And I'll I'll explain why I think that's a bad thing. The story kind of goes like this. like uh, So I'm monitoring a conversation she's having with a friend of hers on MSN. She's pretty much bullied by this kid pretty horrendously on MSN. My daughter then comes upstairs crying, 
I don't know why she's crying, do I, because I haven't been spying on her conversation. Mm. But I felt so guilty um, that I'd done that, that I never did it again. But what I did do was have very, very frank conversations, a very simple thing which resonates still today, and you should say to any kid, if you haven't met this person in the real world, you do not know who they are. You know, we have we have kids on Snapchat with 90,000 contacts. So the simple way to articulate it to kids, and I did say this to my daughter back in 2002, 2003, if you get a friend request from somebody that you don't know, talk to me about it. But the golden rule is if you do not know that person in the real world, you do not know who they are. And she started coming and talking to me about it. And I'd go downstairs and I would just reinforce it, say, do you know who that is? No. What do we do? Block. Correct. Exactly. Block. And Brilliant. Not just don't accept their no, thing, but block. block. Block them. How do you know who they are? Love it. Yep. You know, um, God, you know, the analogies of, you know, leaving your kids alone in the park yep. is just such a such a simple one. You wouldn't damn well do it, would you? But you're leaving your kids in your bedrooms with technology that's giving them global connectivity, ability to activate cameras and talk to people all over the world. And let me tell you for a fact, there's about 5% of the world's population have a sexual uh, preference towards children. We've got the stats to prove that. That's big numbers. Yeah. John's point is one of the like most important but kind of ignored points this has been going on now for a 20-year period. If we, look at, if we look at the children in the pictures, the documentary, like basically that documentary is a 20-year is a history of the, of the internet and technological advancement. And it just seems like we go in these five-year Groundhog Day patterns where, oh, my God, you know, kids have been groomed online. Oh, my God, they've been groomed online since the internet happened. It's just the, the methods and the modality has just made it so much easier and in volume. But look, I mean, here's, a, here's another example. Like, all right, somebody gets on your kid's Roblox game and they're talking to them and they don't know who that person is. And then they start steering the conversation into inappropriate chat. What feature on Roblox is there for the kid to go, I'm in, I, I need help, yeah. I'm in trouble? So, I mean, you say to kids, like, you know, what would you do if a stranger came up to you in the, in, in the street and tried to grab you? I'd yell, I'd scream, I'd call for the police, I'd yell at the top of my voice, whatever. You know, I'd look for mum and dad because mum and dad should be around, you know, if you're, if you're, that, if you're that old, you know, yeah. I'd yell and scream. What, what can kids do online? There's no features in there to go help or whatever because they think that, you know, kids will abuse that feature or whatever. But if you don't put those safeties in, then, you know, it's just important for us as parents to educate our kids on what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a great question from Monique. Hi, guys. Um, my question is, if my child has been coerced into showing explicit material online, is there any way to permanently remove that content from the internet? Thank you. So you'll hear uh, from the eSafety Commission and National Centre for Missing Kids in the US and Project Arachnid and a range of other advocates that content can be taken down if it's distributed. So I, I don't think anything is 100% foolproof. It depends on how it's distributed and who it's distributed amongst. For example, they can't regulate talk. If it's shared across the dark net, they can't stop it being distributed. I would absolutely tell anybody who has whose child has 
come forward and thankfully told them that this has happened to immediately report it, definitely report it to the Safety Commission. Their website's got a reporting portal for that. They work collaboratively with, with a range of hotlines around the world to make sure that the content, uh, I won't go into the technologies around it, but the essentially the, the fingerprint of that image can be shared globally to try to minimise the distribution of it. But I would always say that you can't ever get something completely off the internet. What I would say in response to that is, um, look, you're talking about the internet and if if those images are up there, there's no guarantee that they won't be distributed. What's important is you talk to your child and make her realise or make them realise, him or her, that they are a victim of crime. Yes, good point, yes. You know, of course those images are shameful and of course you don't want them out there and people don't want to see naked fo- their naked photos being distributed. But what they've got to realise is that, you know, I, I said the same thing to my eldest daughter. If, if it ever happens to you, just don't, look, I'm not going to judge you, but you're a victim of crime. And she's like, oh, my God, as if I'm going to come and tell you that that's happened. And I'm like, well, then you won't get the right type of, number one, justice mm. and the stuff that follows through because identifying this crime is is only one part of the victim story. Mm-hmm. The rehabilitation that that child needs for them to, you know, be a, a healthy adult and for, for these not to have ongoing and lasting repercussions has to happen at diagnosis of the crime or discovery of the crime. And we, we're really on our back foot in terms of that as well. Ryan has asked a question which we've sort of, we have talked about, but but he's asking specifically can our government do anything more, in your opinion, to help us, uh, you know, as parents, is there any uh, changes that they can make to our legal system to reduce the risks? Are there changes you think, John, that one government, the Australian government, could make changes to help us as a community with this? At, at a Commonwealth level, the government has been very aggressive in pushing back against industry and calling them out on this. But we're dealing with an incredibly complex global issue and we still have not worked out how to share intelligence uh, amongst law enforcement accurately or or fairly or legally at the moment. Even that is cumbersome at the moment. So you're dealing with, you know, predominantly in many cases here, US companies, uh, you know, the freedom of speech issues in the United States that they can hide behind. So trying to us trying to regulate the United States and, and firing shots isn't going to work, but at least the government's standing behind what's being said from our perspective in Australia. Legislatively, to protect the population, the government, both state and federal, very aggressive in in modifying our laws. We're way ahead of, of most of the world with our legislation in this particular area. Just about everything we've talked today about is technology running ahead of policy and legislation. You know, whether it's the porn industry, whether it's uh, artificial intelligence uh, and generative AI, or the industry service providers that are producing technology that we all have access to. We're fighting wars here with our our hands tied behind our back, where offenders have got free range to do whatever they want to. And let's let's have a talk about privacy for a second. There's some technology out there, and I'm just going to call it out. There's technology available to us right now that can help us save children. But because of Australian privacy considerations, our Privacy Commissioner has said we can't use it. 
It's facial recognition technology. It's used in the United States of America. It was used to successfully identify a Russian war criminal in the Ukraine war. It was used successfully in the Capitol Hill riots. It's used successfully nearly every day to identify children that are being sexually abused. And we can't use it because of Australian privacy laws. So we're fighting a war with our hands tied behind our back. We're years behind the technology. And we really need to get our head out of the sand on this and start being more aggressive. Well, we need to prioritise children. I mean, really, you know, to, uh, even saying that, I sound like a, one of those, I sound like a Karen, basically. I sound like <laughs> one of those women who, who will protect the children, who will think of the children. But in there, a lot of things that we've talked about today, it feels like, you know, between industry, between government, between oh, it's like... With the rights of the child in all this. If you accept the statistics that this is one of the fastest growing crime types in the world, but unfortunately, the, the way that this phenomenon, and I won't just call it a crime, but the phenomenon of internet child exploitation has been brought to us and discovered was through the lens of law enforcement. But it's only one aspect. So if you're asking what I believe the governments need to do is they need to take a bit more of a holistic approach to it. If we can educate our kids to the dangers of it, then there's the prevention aspect of it. If we can arm law enforcement with the tools that John was talking about, then you have the, the the prosecutional aspect of it taken care of. And if we hold our social media companies to a higher standard of in, in the same way that we would, like John has said in the documentary, the same way that we build playgrounds with safety in mind, then we'll be able to make certain changes. But I think where it is going to happen is when the effects of this really start to play out and they won't start to play out in all its intensity for another 10, 15 years when the victims of online child abuse start reaching their 20s and 30s, becoming completely cognizant of the abuse that's happened. And we all know that victims of child exploitation have a huge overrepresentation in people with mental health issues, addiction issues. In prisons. Prison populations. Exactly. So, you know, do we need to let it reach those epidemic levels and see how it's going to affect all aspects of society before we make the change? We're, we're fully equipped with all the stats and figures to know that, you know, it starts at the home and it starts probably a lot younger with our kids than we would have expected. It's just something that we need to accept, wrap our heads around. We need to educate our kids on the, the dangers of technology, but our governments need to be in lockstep with us. Thank you to our guests today, John Rouse and Akeem Dev. Don't forget to check out SBS On Demand for Akeem's documentary featuring John called The Children in the Pictures. If you need support after listening to this podcast, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact 1800 RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or 1800respect.org.au. Indigenous Australians can contact 13 Yarn on 139276 or 13yarn.org.au. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, Michelle Laurie here, and as promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane, and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio, or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so you know we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian True Crime Live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.